Welcome to the Awakening Church, one of the great churches Maui has to offer. And now, Pastor Stephan Fusley with this week's message. Well, aloha, welcome. So great to have you here on this beautiful Hawaii day. We're so stoked. I believe that God has every single one of you for a purpose here. And I am, I am excited because we get the opportunity to show you that you matter and that you're a part of our family. And um, as you can see, we're kicking off our brand new series called He Is, hashtag, He Is Greater Than I. And that is based off a brand that started here in Hawaii uh, that basically is the message that God is greater than I. Uh, By the way, my name is Pastor Stefan, and we're going to dive in. Each week, we're going to have a special message. Each weekend's important. And we're going to, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how God is great. Isn't God great? Let's give God a a round of applause this morning. That's why we're here. He's great. He's great. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about how God wants us to see ourselves differently because typically what we do is we put, instead of God, we put ourselves and we feel like we're greater than other people. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people and we're saying, you know, I'm better than them. I'm smarter than them. I'm more gifted than them. I'm more talented than them. And so I am greater and we have this the superiority complex. We're going to talk about that next week. And then the last week's one of my favorite, is how God has some accomplishments for us to achieve. But if we're not with him, if he's not in it, there is no way. It is impossible. We cannot do it. So we're going to talk about that in the final week. But today, we're going to discover the, the question is, who is greater than God? Who... Who or what is greater than God? And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is nothing, no one, no thing that is greater than our God. Uh, I think back to a story, uh, a time when I was probably junior high. And I thought I was some big stuff, man. I thought I was pretty great. There was, in a sense, there was kind of like a self-worship uh, I put myself first. I put myself before God, the church, everybody else. And I remember watching my sister, my oldest sister. She was a state uh, finalist in track. She ran the 800 meters. She got eighth place in in Indiana. And Indiana has some runners, let me tell you. She was gifted. She had all kinds of colleges and universities calling her up saying, hey, we want to give you a, a, a... you know, scholarship, we want to take care of you. And so she went down the list of schools and she picked this small Christian school that was in town. And I remember being so disappointed. Like, what a waste of talent. What a waste of giftedness. Man, she could go out and go to a great university and get a degree and go out and make money and make something of herself with this. But instead, she's she's chosen this Christian school in our town. What a waste. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to go to the best schools. I'm going to accomplish great things. You know, when I told her, I was so arrogant. I went up to her and I said, Darlene, I'm going to be great. You just watch. And I said it with confidence. I was kind of scaring myself. It was narcissism. I'm going to be great. I'm going to do something with my life. And I was kind of referring to how disappointed I was that she wasn't going down a path of greatness. And so I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where 
that pride, that arrogance, that narcissism welled up inside of you and you kind of surprised yourself. I wasn't a believer at the time, but I still kind of shocked myself with the way I was talking to my sister and the confidence I had in myself. Uh, but that's the reality is, is we're all a generation and, and within a culture, a time in the history of the U.S. where the self-worship and this idolization of self and the elevation of self over everything else has become the norm. I, am I telling the truth? Right? So instead of he is greater than I, he is less than I. And we put ourselves before God. That's what we're talking about this morning. Um, and my question for you is, what is in us that makes us think that we're so great? I'm not trying to poo-poo party today, you know, to make people feel just miserable and lousy and, you know, like, oh, I'm nothing. No, but I, I just wonder, though, because a lot of us, if you look around the world, you know, we have Gallup polls, for example, that do um, they different, different polls during different times in history. For example, in 1950, the Gallup did a, a research, and they found that people who acknowledged or referred to themselves as important, I'm important. I'm an important person. You know how many in that year said they were important? 12%. Do you know what that same Gallup poll when they did it in 2005, how many, what percent do you think it was that people said they were important? It was like 80. Self-important. I'm self-important. There was another um, research that has been done by psychologists. It's called the narcissism test. And they found that Narcissism, people that are, that are categorized as psychologically narcissist, have increased by 30% in the last two decades. There's a lot of narcissistic, self-important people around, huh? Wow. And then we look at another one. Here, fame. Oh, I want fame and fortune. I want to be, I want to be famous, right? They did, did a little bit of research, and they, and they found out that the life goals for people uh, in um, 1976... On a scale of 1 to 16 of life goals, being famous was 15 out of 16. That's pretty good priorities. That's people are living humble and, and having a saw, honest evaluation of themselves, right? Because you know that even 1 out of 16 people don't become famous. So at least there was somewhat, uh, at least a balanced approach. Guess where that number was recently when they did it in 2007? Half of people polled said that fame was their number one goal in life. That's how you have people going and doing God knows what online, just for a little moment of fame, even if it's despicable, even if it's doing something completely against their character, their thirst for fame, for, for them to be elevated and, and talked about. If they'll kill somebody to do it, just to, be, just to have their name on the news. What makes us think that we're so great? What drives us to, 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 want, to crave that, that worship, that admiration, or that self-image, self-elevation? I, I, I'm going to dive into that today. We're going to discover. We're going to ask God and, and, and ask him to, to speak truth to us this morning. So if you could do me a favor, bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for what you're going to teach us about, Lord, your greatness and how great and good you are, Lord. Some of us don't know that. We don't understand that. We don't have the faith to believe that. But, Lord, I pray by the power of your Spirit 
that you would open up hearts to see like a light shining, like a light bulb going off in somebody's mind or heart to, to this morning. I, I pray that you, would, that you would reveal your greatness to us. Again, Lord, we just thank you so much for um, just this church. It belongs to you. Again, apart from you, we can do your, your spirit, we can do nothing. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's dive in. All right, so we're going to open up our word to First Chronicles, we're a, a church that values God's word. It's powerful. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it cuts to the heart of the matter. We're going to take a look at what God, uh, God's word has to say about the greatness of God. By the way, we have an app. It's free. You can download it at any app store, and you can listen to messages. When For those of you who are visiting from far away, you can listen to messages year-round, um, or if you're on a trip. Or if you are sick one day, you could just download that up and you can tune in with us. You also can give and all kinds of cool stuff. You can listen to God's word on there. If you don't have that app or a smartphone, we have some custom awakening Bibles outside. We want to give those to you. It's our gift to you so you could have God's word in your hand. It's life-changing. And so we're going to take a look at First Chronicles and we're, and we're going to talk about God's gracious. Before I start, I want to tell you that there's nothing that humanity or ourselves on our own can do to diminish God's greatness. Nothing is going to diminish God's greatness. But the reality is that we can diminish God's greatness in us by the things we believe and by the things we choose by the way we live our life. We're going to talk about God's greatness here. Chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, verses 11 through 13, the message version says this. To you, O God, belong the greatness and the might and the glory and the victory, the majesty, the splendor. Yes, everything in heaven, everything on earth, the kingdom, all yours. You raised yourself high over all. Riches and glory came from you, your ruler over all. You hold strength and power in the palm of your hand to build up. And strengthen all. That's who God is. God is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning in the end. He's everywhere at once. He knows all. He knows your every little thought. He knew how many hairs were on your head before you were even born, as you were being knitted together in the womb of your mother. God is mighty and powerful. He's not a fairy tale that the, the people of old used to talk about, the miracles he used to do. They're not a fairy tale. They are real, and God is mighty and great, and we, he is a God we can worship, and he is holy. He's without sin. He's righteous. He is a God of love and compassion. He is a God that avenges injustice. This is a God that we serve, and he's a God of greatness, and we have, we, he has escaped us. We don't think of God's greatness. The reality is that we cannot increase our own greatness by diminishing God's. We can't diminish God's greatness, but we can diminish God's greatness in us. Do you ever hear the saying, you can't make yourself better or greater by putting somebody else low? It's the same way. It's a reverse concept. It's a concept of becoming lower so that God can be great in us and do great things through us. It's a reverse way of thinking, right? Um, and that's what God talks about in the Bible when he says, 
uh, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You talk about a lot of things in the Bible that would just kind of perplex the spiritual leaders of the time. And they were saying, wow, that's backwards. He's turning things around on their head. He's telling us that the things on the outside that we do, 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 like being righteous and perfect, don't matter to God as much as what's inside the heart. And the heart of the matter, the purity of the heart is more important. God's just, Jesus came and kind of just flipped the whole script around. And we, we, and we think, oh, well, maybe if I am great, then, you know, maybe God will he'll acknowledge me. Or maybe if I'm great enough, then maybe I'll earn some love and forgiveness and respect. And I'll earn my way in God's kingdom. And we, we, we have it backwards. We, 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 we must become less. We, we must become less. Now, how do we diminish God's greatness in us? How do we do that? There's a couple ways, um, but the first one is this. We put ourselves greater than God. We put ourselves before God. We do it all the time. For example, how, how do we put ourselves before God? Well, when, before I was surrendered my life to, to God and, and I was into big wave surfing, I was actually out here in Hawaii and, you know, I thought I was all, all good with God, but I hadn't surrendered my life to him. There was no, the, the love of God was not in me. And, you know, I was just really arrogant, you know, prideful. I mean, I could just take on anything. In fact, there was a day that I went out surfing and the waves are big as this building. And I looked at it, scoffed at it. I'm like, do your worst. I'm a man. I'm going to take you. I'm going to dominate you nature. I'm going to, to, to harness your power. And I went out there arrogant, thinking, uh, I'm going to just dazzle somebody. There's going to be somebody taking photos of me, and I'm going to be famous, and I'm going to be known because of my courage. In fact, as I was on the way out, the, the lifeguard was saying, excuse me, sir, you know, the waves are coming up over the beach under the picnic tables, and people are standing on the picnic tables because they don't want to be washed away. And he's like, I'm not going in after you if you go out there. The lifeguard has a, he has a jet ski right there on the beach ready to go in case something happens. And he's telling me he's not coming to get me. I think he was trying to discourage me from going out because it's kind of his job to come and get me. But he, but he was trying to say, don't go out there. You're coming in over your head. And I'm, nah, no worry, I get him. <laughs> I go out and just, I just went right back. I just ignored him. I didn't even talk to him about it. I went and paddled out. Man, it was, it was big. Big sets, big sets. I remember the, the current pulling me uh, one direction towards closer to the rock, the reef. The waves would break. They would break right. And the rocks were over here, and there was cliffs, like these lava cliffs, these sharp, jagged rocks and caves. And the current would pull you towards the, to the, to the impact zone. And so you'd constantly be having kind of paddle sideways. And then when a big set comes, you better be ready but I was just kind of going for a smaller wave, and then a big one came, a really massive wave came, and I started paddling, and I'm like, ah, and I said some curse word out loud and just screamed at the top of my lungs, ah, and then, went, and then all of a sudden, the fear of God came over me. Whoa, I am indeed, because the thing is a wall, and it's coming, and it's coming right at me, like literally, you duck dive underneath the wave, and you try to get away from where that wave impacts, you try to get over here before it goes, but I was right here, and the thing exploded on me, 
And I was shown the fear of God in that wave. It ripped me every which direction like a rag doll. And I had fear and shock. I remember the next one coming, I'm seeing the blood of Jesus, because that's the only thing my mom taught me to say growing up. So I'm like arrogant and proud, and all of a sudden I'm crying out for God. That is what it's like in life. How many people walk throughout life, the stance we take and approach life with, we have this arrogance that we're great, that we're bigger than that. We don't need God. We got, we got this. And then we go out, and God shows his power. And we're, we're awakened to the reality that we are not greater. We're not greater than him, and we're sure not greater than some of the nature he can display here on these beautiful islands through the waves and the power of the ocean. And so it was shook. But the reality of the matter is, is that we have this anthem. It's kind of like that Drake song. I don't know if you're into hip-hop, but there's a song out there. He, uh, he sings, and he sings, No help, that's all me. No help, that's all me, for real. That's how he sings this song over and over again. It's all me. No help, that's all me. It's all me, for real. And you guys, some of you laughing because you know that song. But, um, and I, I'm thinking of that song, and I'm like, dang, man. Just add that arrogance. Like, but nobody helped you? Your mama didn't help you and change your diaper? You, you know, no, nobody took you to school? Nobody, nobody prayed for you? Nobody invested in you? You, you want to take all that credit? That's reality. That's, that's the sin nature inside of us. That's the flesh, the desire for more, to be God. We don't like the fact that God is on his throne. We want to be the one that calls the shots. I remember the other day, I was like, if I were emperor, how many of you played that game? <laughs> if I were emperor, I'm going to pull out a piece of paper. I'm going to type it out. These are the things that I would do in the world. Boom, boom, boom. I would do this and that and this and that. And then this would be a much better place. God complex. How many of you have to think about that when you're like driving through traffic? If I was in charge of this, this traffic system, I would change these lights to be timed so people would save gas and this, this, there should be a merge lane here. This is inefficient. How many of you ever find yourself doing that, right? You've got a God plan complex going on there. And it starts from something that happened in the beginning before we were created, before this earth was created. There was a battle in heaven. There was a battle between one of the most beautiful creatures God created, one of the most um, uh, uh, influential and strong of the angels that he created. His name was Lucifer. And, and we pick up here in the text where Lucifer has a God complex. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 17, it says, how are you, and this is what we're talking about Satan here, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven. And set my throne above God's stars. I will preside in the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb the highest heavens and be like the most high. You see that arrogance? That arrogance is in every single one of us. Because when Satan was thrown down to earth, he went and walked about or slithered about in the garden in the form of a snake. And he came and tempted Eve and Adam. And he said, why, why aren't you eating this? beautiful fruit here and they're like we can't eat that fruit because that's a forbidden fruit that's a, a, fr a fruit of knowledge of good and evil and God said that if we eat this we will die and he's like you won't die in fact God doesn't want you to eat it because he knows that you'll be the, like him and what do they do they bought it 
their desire, Adam and Eve's first sin, was more terrible, more treacherous, more treasonous, more, and more betrayal than just disobedience. They wanted God's spot. They wanted God's position. And here's the funny part about it. You see, they were already, the lie, the, the, the lie that was twisted, they were already made in God's image. They already had immortality. They didn't die. There was no sickness. What they didn't have was the knowledge. They had the knowledge of good, but they did not have the knowledge of evil. And so when they took it, it actually removed from them their immortality. It brought in death, destruction, curses on both animals and creation. It's because of their desire to be God. And now that they had Bitten into the lie, they became less like God than they were before. That's what happens when we put ourselves greater than God. We become less like Him. We become less like Him. Now, pride, that's the sin. That's the, the sin that sneaks in. And God says there are six things He hates, He despises, He detests. No, seven. And guess what is in there? Pride. God hates it. It's disgusting to him. And in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction. It leads us to the path of destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So let me ask you, where are we letting pride in? Like a couple of the things I mentioned before, right? How many of you played that? Like if I was king, this is the things I would change in the world. Has anybody done that? Nobody? Come on, be honest. Let's be real here. We're at the awakening. Okay, how many of you guys have thought in your head if Man, if I was in charge of this, I would, like, make this traffic stuff different or the school system different or this political system different. Come on, let's see some hands, right? If I were emperor, if I were God, if I had the power, I would just call the shots, and we'd have a way better system. Where have we allowed pride in? You trying to control somebody? Trying to control something? There's a circle, right? Everybody hold up, make a big circle with your hands, right? Big circle. Everything inside that circle, it's yours. It's yours. You control it. God's given it to you to do something about it. There's no victim mindset or you can't do something about those circumstances inside the circle. But then there's things outside that circle. Those are God's things. And when you find yourself trying to control those things that are outside of your control, you're up until four in the morning going crazy because you're trying to control something that God has not given you to control, you might have a God complex. You might be greater than he in your own self, and you're diminishing God's greatness within yourself. If you seek revenge and you're like, you know what? God's not going to do anything. Where's God? Where is his justice? I'm going to take it in my own hands. Then you might be having a God complex. We have a lot of people who are self-righteous and are murdering in the name of what they think God is. They're playing God, killing innocent people. In fact, this is September 11th where thousands of Americans were killed because somebody took revenge in their own hands and they were self-righteous. They thought they knew better. What about rebellion? If you find yourself rebelling against the man, rebelling against the church, rebelling against somebody speaking into your life spiritually, rebelling against your parents and the institutions God's placed in authority over you, you might be having a God complex where 
you are greater than God. And what you do is you diminish, diminish God's greatness in you. And you actually become less than. Uh, so how we uh, diminish God's greatness in us? We put ourselves before God. The second one is we put our ideas before God. Ideas. How many of you have a good idea before in your life? How many of you have had what you thought was a great idea and you pursued it, you didn't include God in it? And then you kind of had what I experienced with those waves. You're like, oh no, this is going bad. It's going sideways. And then so the solution to the problem again was another one of your ideas. And then you found yourself further in the trap and you were even more stuck until you could go nowhere. And you're like, wow, maybe like, you know, what Bob was talking about in the announcements, maybe I should have asked, you know, Justine, maybe we should ask God before we got into this mess. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9 through 11 says this. And this is God talking. He says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. The way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as the rain and snow descend from the skies and don't come back until they are watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seeds for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They will do the work. I have sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Whoa. How many of you are shaken to your soul, to your core by that? God is God. His ways are greater than our ways. His ideas, his plans for your life are much greater. In fact, you'll have more peace. You'll have more purpose. You'll have more love in your life if you just say, God, you're God, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to submit to your leadership. Lord, you take the wheel of my life. You are the captain of my destiny. And if I can only follow that path, then maybe I might see greatness in me, your greatness in me. Uh, it's like this. Um, recently, when I was getting away from everything, just trying to think about like what this whole year would look like and the different messages I would like to preach on, and I was planning through this series, He's Great in Our Eye, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to take credit from this guy that's done this t-shirt brand, and so I'm going to put a hashtag in front of it. So smart, so clever. Everybody's going to love this idea. It's going to be great. And then so I'm going to have Facebook to advertise the other day to do like a boost the post to let the, the community know we're doing this he's, hashtag, He's Greater Than I. I do the hashtag, I do the he, and then I do the greater than side, and the hashtag, you know, like the blue space that highlights the hashtag. I don't know some of you people are not tech savvy, but if you want a hashtag to work, the whole thing, the hashtag and the word you put in there has to be lit up. And it stopped at the greater than sign. And I was like, dang it, that was such a good idea. Whatever, for the programming reasons, hashtags don't, they, they don't continue the phrase. And so it's just hashtag he. I'm like, oh boy, I wonder what's going to pop up when people do hashtag he. Probably not some really good things online. You know, there could be some really dirty things there maybe. Um, but it didn't work. And I'm sitting there, duh, duh, <laughs> great idea. But even some of the, our greatest ideas, it's just, you know, God laughs at them. And we laugh at them. As a collect, you can laugh at me. It's all right. it's all right. So, 
we diminish God's greatness in us when we put ourselves before God, when we put our own ideas before God, and then finally we diminish God's greatness in us when we put the physical world before God. We are a people and a culture and nations that worship physical things over a spiritual God. We can worship things such as science and resources and fortresses and, and armor that can protect us. We will put more faith in those things, those physical things, because we can see them, we can measure them, we can hold them, we can dwell in them. And we put those physical things before God, and God is less than those things. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26 says this. Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after the other, calling each by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. This is a God who created the universe. He created those things, those physical things you measure, you look out to, and you, and you want to do your experiments to prove that something exists. And, and God is greater than your physical senses. He's greater than that. I love that one um, movie where, uh, in contact, I don't know if you watched it, there was two characters. It was the scientist, astronaut, and then there was like the spiritual guru. He's not really, I don't know if he's really a Christian, but he had some spiritual truths he was talking about. And she was taught, uh, the main character, the scientist, was arguing, they were arguing back and forth of uh, creation and, um, or just the universe and the evidence. She didn't believe in God. She didn't believe there was a creator. Um, and so he just really cleverly, he asked, uh, he asked her, because her, she, she wanted evidence, right? She's like doubting Thomas. She wanted to put her hand in the wound of Jesus' side before he would believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. She's like, I want to see the evidence. And he was like, okay, all right, fair enough. You want the evidence, okay. He asked her, do you love your mom? Oh, of course, Jesus, he just guaranteed this. She loved her mom. This is a mama's girl. Loved her mom. Of course I love my mom. He goes, oh yeah? Prove it. Prove it. The physical, I want to see the measurable physical evidence of your love for your mother. I can't prove that. But it's real. You and I feel it. You know its presence. Just like God is real. Just like God is great. You may not be able to measure it with your scientific experiment. In fact, you know, uh, you know there, in the past, in the Christian faith has been a big uh, war between science and God and, and evolution and, and all those things. But I, the reality is, is that the science and our creator work beautifully together. And there are more and more brilliant scientists coming out and saying, there is God. There is a God. There is this, there's a creative, intelligent design to the smallest of things. It could not happen by chance. Now, what does God say? Hey, you know what? 
Take a look at those things, and you'll know my greatness. He says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. The fact that these physical things, this creation, this beauty is there, should point to God's graces, greatness. The fact that you have the physical things that take care of your needs, like a roof over your head and food in your belly and transportation and books. In fact, you own a book, you're in the 99th percentile of the most wealthy people in the world. Do you own a book? How many you own a book? How many books do you own? You're kings compared to the rest of the world. That is in itself evidence of God's greatness and providing for you way more than you deserve, way more than he's done for a lot of other people. Oh, but possessions, don't get me started on possessions, right? Oh, but this thing, this, this, is, this is greater than God. This physical, this house is my God. I worship at the altar of mowing on Saturdays, right? Everybody gets out their special custom lawnmower that just, just does a beautiful job doing like everybody in my neighborhood. Scott, they're sitting out there making sure that thing is beautiful. Making sure the plants are planted nicely. Making sure the nice cars are parked up front. And it's very clear to me, for some of them, who their God is. Now, God is a God that blesses us with beautiful things. You don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, uh, diminish people who have wealth. Praise God with, for people who have wealth. God has blessed them and they can help do great things and, and build God's kingdom. But when somebody worships that, and, and they're, in fact, they're not on Saturday morning, they're on Sunday morning mowing their lawn, right? You got NFL who brags about how they took away Sunday from God and we sit there and worship at the idol of, of entertainment, these physical things that we can measure that make us feel good and give us pleasure. So, how do we diminish God's greatness in us? We put ourselves above God. We put our ideas before God's ideas when he has an amazing plan for you. We, we put the physical, tangible, measurable things before an awesome, powerful, mighty God. How do you acknowledge God's greatness? How do you balance out to where you flip the, the greater than sign to the less than to where you become, he becomes greater and you become less? Now John the Baptist talked about that, right? When Jesus came to earth, he knew that he was God in, in, in human form. He knew that he would bring this forgiveness of sins. He knew that he would do all these things. If John the Baptist was the big deal and everybody was going out to John the Baptist to, to, um, to get baptized, baptized by him and then Jesus came along and he baptized Jesus and the spirit of God rested on Jesus and then the voice of God said this is my son who I'm well pleased and his authority came over Jesus and Jesus started doing mighty things and drawing great crowds and all these people started coming to Jesus and a lot of disciples started abandoning uh, uh, other leaders and, and started following Jesus and a lot of people were going to Jesus to get baptized instead of John the Baptist. And, his, you know, the remaining few of the disciples of John the Baptist that were, were saying, hey, John, you know, you got to do something about this Jesus guy. You know, he's taking all our, our followers. He's baptizing more people than us. He's taking, you know, his disciples, if they were following him, and what should we do about it? And John was like, yeah, actually, you should go and follow him because he's greater than me. I'm not fit to wear his sandals. In fact, he must be great, become greater, and I must become le less. 
if you have that attitude, then you'll have greatness. Not the opposite around. Not the, right? Those who are trying to save their lives will lose it. And those who are trying to lose their life for me will find it. Right? That's the verse we, we have right here. We have to put to, get to, to, to death I. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26, it says that Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love that. He went to work on them. <laughs> he says this, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not the, in the driver's seat. I am. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you're not in the driver's seat. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself your true self. You want to be true to yourself? Self-sacrifice. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What can you ever trade for your soul? Other versions say, if anybody would come after me, they must deny themselves. You know what deny means? If you look at the Greek, it has a death connotation. Taking up your death instrument, take up your cross, saying, oh, I will lay down my life for you. I become less. I'll lay down my dreams, my desires, my passions, my, my ideas, my plans, my physical things, myself. I will lay it down at the foot of Jesus, and I will follow him. So there's a sacrifice. And what happens is God's greatness becomes alive in us. I'm going to close uh, with this last concept here in this verse uh, that addresses, because I'm, I'm telling you, okay, this is your application. This is how you make God's greatness shine in you. You, you, you deny yourself. You sacrifice you diminish your own self-importance, your own ideas of how things should go. But why, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Um, well, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says this. This is Paul saying, he said, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Everybody say greatness of God's power. For who? For who? For us who believe in him. But that's right. The people who believe in him are the ones that have surrendered, that have denied, that have said, God, I belong to you. I'm yours. Not just, oh, God, hey, how you doing? I, I believe that you exist and you're real and you're doing your thing. Great. I'm going to run the show. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, no, 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 God, I'm going to follow you no matter what it takes. It says here, the incredible greatness of God's power how many of you want the greatness of God's power in your life? For those who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor of God's right hand in the heavenly realms. This power that raises people from the dead, this greatness is available for those who, who surrender themselves and give themselves over to God. Jesus said to his own followers, he said, you'll do greater stuff. You know, this cool healing stuff and raising people from the dead stuff and all these miracles. He's like, yeah, you're going to do bigger things. How many of us believe that anymore? 
Do you believe that you could do greater things? Oh, no, 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 we can't. Right? Because God's not great. But the reality is he's, he is great. And if you want him to be great in you, you're going to have to let him transform you into a different person that doesn't worship self, that worships him and follows him and lies in expectation that God is going to do great things through us. We're going to pray and we're going to do some business with God. So if everybody could you know, bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to, we're going to talk with God in just a real way. And, you know, you can even start speak to him in your mind or whispering to him right now if you want. But we're going to do some business. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the good work you're doing in us and how great and awesome and mighty and powerful God you are and that you are at work in us and that you give us the opportunity to get in line, to follow your lead and see the amazing plans that you have for us. But sometimes, Lord, we get, we get caught off guard. We, before we know it, we forget about your greatness, and we, and, we, and we start putting ourselves and elevating ourselves and our ideas and our things and our, what we can see. We, we start elevating these things above you. And Lord, I just pray that right now that we would do some business with you to set that right. If you're in here this morning and uh, without anybody looking around, eyes, eyes closed, heads bowed, um, and you want to you wanna kind of make that right with God, maybe things have gotten a little bit out of balance in that area, um, would you be courageous with anybody looking, without anybody looking around? Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? God bless you. Good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. Lots of hands. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. My hand's going up. God bless me. God bless you. God bless you. Your hand over there. God bless you. Awesome. See, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's been an awakening in your mind of there needs to be a rebalancing of who is greatest in your life. The Bible says that if you seek first his kingdom, if you put God first, if you put, it, if you put him up on high, it's great. If you seek him first, and he said, then everything will be added to you. What does that mean, added to you? Everything will be given to you. That was in line with his will for your life. It'll be added. So Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And for some of us in here this morning, um, we, we have never gotten to the place where we ever had made that balance happen. We've lived for ourselves. We've never surrendered to God whatsoever. We've, maybe a long time ago, maybe you have. And you've gotten way off track and you need to rededicate your life to God this morning or you need to give your heart to him for the first time. I'm going to show you how to say a prayer to do that. And God will hear you. He will answer you. And his greatness will be made mighty in you. If you want to say that prayer, and if anybody can say that prayer out loud so nobody feels left out, you just say these words out loud and God will hear you. You just got to meet him. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for me and, and you paid my penalty for my sin, which is death. Not only did you die, Jesus, but you rose from the dead. You conquered death so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. Jesus name. Continue to pray with eyes closed, heads bowed. If that was you, if you rededicated your life, you gave your heart to Jesus for the first time, would you be courageous without anybody looking around? 
Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody here? God bless you. See your hand. Great. God bless you. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Great. God is good. Thank you, Lord, for your, the power of your spirit moving in our hearts and our minds. We pray that we continue to lift you up. We, we're excited for the things we're going to learn, and we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us this week. The Awakening Church is a church that unchurched people love to attend, where real people can come as they are and connect with others who love God. If you're on Maui, please come join us. If you're not on Maui or you can't attend a service, check us out online at theawakening.org or download our Awakening Church app. You'll find past messages, online Bible studies, scripture, and lots of other cool stuff, including ways where you can help us continue our mission. If this message has blessed you, you can help us increase our reach by giving to The Awakening Church, either on our app or online. Thank you for joining us. Aloha. Aloha.